Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. Neither Nishmas, Ephraim, Yechanan, Yom Teflipe, Shmuel, Yaakov, and Meshe, Jeanette, Bas, Ephraim, Hakim, Chaim. Refuous issues for those that need. May Hashem send in the month of Ir, and Hashem Reif Echo. We said that Ir is the the Rosh Tevis. Hashem Rifecho. And Hashem send the healing to all those that need speedily. Pashas Emoir in Chutzlaret. Eretz Yisrael, they're reading further, Bahar. But we are still behind. Unfortunately, a separation in the Jewish nation. Technically, although Achimbeis Kedoshim are together, we find always reason for them to be together. How they are together, how they work together, Bahar Bukhkeh say the same, Matas Matzah, etc. All the Terumatzah, not Terumatzah, usually. All the Pashas that are usually found together, the very easy way of explaining each one as to why they are together. Emer and Bahar, a little bit more difficult. We'll discuss, hopefully, Medshem, very soon, the connection between the two. But don't get confused, please, in America, in Chutzlar, it's actually, everywhere in Chutzlar, they will read this week, Pashas Emoir, and in Eretz Yisrael, they will be reading Pashas Bahar. If a an Israeli contingency or a minion of Eretz Yisrael, the Kiyidin, are in Choyl and Chutzlaretz, then they do usually make a minion for their Kriya on their own. The Shab is also Yud Gimel Iyor. The other side of Rabbi Yisrael Ayelev, the Rebbe's youngest brother. Who also met Hashem, touch base with Sechta Saita and Pirkei this week being Perek Shlishi. So those of you who have been listening to the Shirin throughout the Svira, knew when we started Pirkei Avis, Perek Rishin, Perek Sheni, and now we are up to Perek Shlishi. And interesting enough, we'll see that Shlishi starts with Shlesha. Shlesha Dvarim. Begin with Pashas Emer. Emer is a very, very rich Pasha, as we know. Full of the Yom Tevim. All the Yom Tevim are mentioned in Pashas Emer. But most importantly is the beginning of Emer. The opening Pasuk of Emer begins. Emer el kehanim say to the Kehanim, B'nei Aaron, the children of Aaron, V'yamarta leim, and tell them, 
immediately that splashes us in the face. Why does it say Emer and then Amarta in the same Pasuk? Comes to teach us, says Rashi, Lahazir Gidelim al Haktanim to warn the elders on the youth. The responsibility the elders have towards the youth. Now, honestly speaking, if you keep me score at home, the Yamari Yavamas Kufyud Dalin Amar Aleph in Yavamas Tractate Yavamas 114 side A and the Yavara tells us there Chazal tell us that this commandment of Emmer and Amarta was said three times in the Torah. The first time was Iser Achilles not eating bugs, prohibition, welcome Scranton. Oh, I don't know, Scranton, Atlanta, I don't know if you people did Kirish Nirvana tonight, if you did, then I could Chedish to you as well, we did here. We finally were able to see a stick of Levana, although the mail was ready from Shabbos, but here from a Shabbos in New York was impossible to get a Levana. As much as you prescribe to it or signed up for it. <laughs> but I gotta say one thing that Atlanta and the Scranton <laughs> sphere is growing on you. <laughs> it's very impressive. Stop scratching, it's very nice. It's a hadras ponim. <laughs> so firstly on Achilles Katzim, secondly on eating and drinking blood, and thirdly as we learn now about the Tumah of Kahanim, a Kayin is not allowed to become impure. He's not allowed to go to a funeral to be in proximity of a dead body, of a corpse. Why these three pointers are so important for us to educate our children, Emer Marta, the lesson to teach the Gitan the Gidelim Alaktanim. Elamai. There must be a problem with these three subjects. There must be a, an issue with these subjects. And therefore, the tailor needs to strengthen it and needs to put an, an emphasis and needs to put down repetition to warn us how we have to educate the children. Fact of the matter is that the prohibition of eating bugs generally, Mishnah in Haiti is Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, it says. The general populace is a little fecult from eating bugs. It's a little revolting. Now, modern days, I guess the last 15 years or so, or even longer, the last 50 years probably, 40, 50 years, we started all of a sudden finding bugs everywhere. 
bugs in our lettuce, bugs in our beds, bugs in our pillows. Um, bugs. Bugs in our strawberries, bugs in our radishes, bugs in our chvesis rost. It's all the bugs. And obviously now it became a uh, a big issue, and therefore everything needs ashgacha. It has a rabbinical supervision saying, we check this and there are no bugs. And you look at the lettuce that said there's no bugs, or the vegetable the fruit that said there's no bugs, you promptly open it up, and there with a the yarmulke is a little bug sitting, a yarmulke and tzitzis, mm-hmm. because, or else the rabbi wouldn't let him be there. So the only way he got away with being there is because he must have wearing yarmulke and tzitzis. And you say, but, but, but the rabbi gave supervision. And then you put a filter on your water that comes into your house, and a wonderful filter, and you notice ultimately that the filter has to strain the water. So what are you getting? You're accumulating bugs on that filter, which are ultimately getting pushed through into your, com- and instead of getting just regular min- minuscule bugs, all of a sudden you'll find a nice clump of bugs come up in your glass of water mmm yum the general populace is for echoed about the fact of eating a bug if a person knew they were eating a bug they would spit it out, they would throw up they would just go crazy I did meet the ungeneral populace that went to Mexico and bought bugs in a burrito, in a wachveshivos, he had a taco full of... Uh, uh, please. Please. And this idiot told me, he actually comes to tell me, I want to see how they taste it. I said, come on, it's Would you like to eat the end of my shoe while you're at it? Or what's, what's wrong with you? They said, they're selling it. If they're selling it, then a person wants to buy it. But the general normal populace is, is disgusted by bugs. I finally remembered how to say the word for echoed in English. Thank you. I was expecting a text from Atlanta to find out what does for echoed mean. But I didn't get it. Anyway. Huh. Why this stringent warning about blood? And according to some opinions, according to the Yudha, the Sifri, the Jews actually used to drink blood. The thought of it is quite uh, scary. But apparently it's healthy to some people. Athletes consider it very, very good to use. There we go. Athletes consider it very healthy. And I think I've told you before, I once once went to observe a shkita in South America. There we go. We have a ha'ora that you can always get a good worm and a bottle of tequila. Question, does the worm talk Spanish? Anyway. <laughs> you open the bottle, it goes, Si, senor. The observing Yashkita ones, and the sheikh comes in, he runs in, he shakes the animal. He passes his hand through the neck to make sure it's shechted kosher. And the guy that's holding the head, 
remains holding it open, and this fellow in a jumps in a sports suit comes running in, literally dips his cup into the open neck of the of the animal to get some blood, and stands there drinking it because this is during a workout. This is supposed to be hoo ha. Don't try this at home. First of all, don't try it at home because you can't bring the cow into your house, the animal into your house, it's not legal. And secondly, to slaughter the cow in your house would make a terrible mess. And thirdly, you're not allowed to drink blood. But apparently they did have a concept that they drank blood. The prohibition of a kayan becoming tummy, becoming impure, or impurity b'chlal, it doesn't jive, really. Honestly speaking, and it's interesting to note that my wife teaches in, in a high school, a girls' high school, and the question exactly came about: What the stuffing is wrong with a kain becoming tummy, and what is it all about, and how does one become tummy? What's the significance behind it, etc.? It is a prohibition in the Torah. To an extent that Emoir via Marta. It is repeated to warn the people, to warn people that they have to know this is a proper education. The Koyin needs to know he may not become impure. He needs to be constantly prepare, prepared and ready to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. By, coming to, by becoming tummy to a nefesh, to a, to a mace, you won't be able to serve until everybody else is also sprayed with the paraduma. And therefore, he's going to have a lapse of time until he can actually serve. So the kahanim cannot get tummy. It's one of the reasons. So we now know these three things. Why the Bechal being warned? Why the Bechal being taught? What is the great significance in Chinuch, in education, for these three halachas? For the eating of bugs, for the drinking of blood, and for the Kayin becoming impure. Firstly, when a person falls to a low, low level, and he acts very, very coarsely. He could think that in this situation, he has no capacity and no way that he can actually teach or, or educate anybody. Therefore, the tailor comes along and tells you even the person that eats bugs, eats vermin. which shows that this person is borderline subhuman, he has the obligation Ember via Marta. And he has a capacity to stand up and to establish and to set the younger generation straight. Secondly, Education in general can help 
as long as the person has not gone off the right path. But if he's done the opposite of the way, the right, the righteous way, education obviously doesn't have any hands and feet. Therefore, the tailor directs us that even something that Bnei Yisrael were so used to doing sins that they were so used to falling into like eating or drinking blood we still need education and a good education by a person even something that the person has become totally natural to something that the person has taken a second nature with can be changed, can be altered. Sometimes we have an issue with a certain mitzvah. Certain mitzvah that reminds us of something or gives us a certain hesitation And we need to learn how to cope with that. It's a mitzvah. And being a mitzvah, we need to perform the mitzvah. But somewhere, sometimes, somewhere, something gave the person a bad taste about this mitzvah. Tells us the Torah, Emma via Marta, you need to regroup. And you need to listen to education, and you need to be educated in a way that you should enjoy to do that mitzvah. And that nothing could ever alter that. Nothing could ever push you off course of doing that mitzvah. Because you are educated properly, and your mind gets cleared. Thirdly, Sometimes we think that education is only something that we need to actually sit down and explain. Emuna. Belief in God. How easy, how simple is it to fall into despair? To give up? How simple is it to throw your hands up and say, I can't? I don't know how. I can't overcome this anymore. It's too much. Too much peer pressure. Too much in my surroundings. Too much exposure that I'm exposed to. There's just too much. There's so many different little minute, minuscule things that are sneaking into my system and I just can't overcome them. I can't push them away. And the easiest way is if I can't beat them, join them. Tells us the Tata, no. There's no such thing. Even if a person says, I don't believe in God, has nothing to do with this concept of God or godliness or data 
stresses the Torah that even in this case of impurity of Kahanim, something that has no reason or rhyme in the person's actual understanding, this is an obligation in Chinuch, in education. And therefore we believe also in Inyan Memuna that Chinuch can help and there is no reason to lift our hands up and to walk away. Because the inner heart of each and every Jew, they believe, and the Chinuch, their education, their belief and their education only helps them to reveal their deep, deep emuna within them. So when the Torah commands us, therefore, to do these little things, it's not just a lesson to tell us that if it's possible, but rather, the commandment gives us the strength to be able to fulfill it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not require of a person something that they cannot overcome. And therefore, a decree that one cannot tolerate, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not do that to a person. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking us to do something, whatever mitzvah it might be, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no reason to force us. Nobody can actually force us. Anyone that tries to force us, we will push the opposite way, obviously. But we need to understand, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when the Almighty gave us this mitzvah, He also gave us the strength to do the mitzvah. He gave us the capacity to come through and to be able to accomplish this. Question becomes Chinuch, education, Emeve Marto. The Torah was given in Yisrael. Count all the parshas from Yisrael until Emer. Now we talk about education. Till now we had to wait. Education should have been given right after Mount Taylor. Or, not or, and therefore. So the question why has it become so important? Why does such an important thing wait? And why is it Dafka with the service of the Kahanim? So generally we know that there's always a connection between the Teichen of every Pasha the Teichen of every Pasha to all the other th- parts of the, t- of the Pasha that is called And especially when the Pasha is read. Pasha Shavuah gives us a lesson, a special lesson in our lives when we also, when we're reading it. Lahazir Gidoidim Alektanim, as we said, to warn the elders on the young. This has specially to do with Yomtiv, 
all the Yom Tevim, as we said before, the holidays which are mentioned in this Pasha. Also, this Pasha is always read in Chedish ear. And in Chedish ear, we always have Svira Saimir. Not only that, but Chedish ear is the only month that every day of the month has in it Svira Saimir. Nisan starts only the middle of the month, and Sivan, of course, finishes in the first week. But Ir, the entire month of Ir, has in it Svira Saimir, the counting of the Omer. What is the concept of Svira Saimir? Chinuch. Why? Because we are preparing for Matan Teda. The 49 days that we are counting from the second day of Pesach, we count 49 days culminating in the day of Shavuos. When the Jews left Mitzrayim, they were a born nation. This is the birth of the Jewish nation. Once a child is born, immediately begins the concept of education. Until, of course, Kabbalah Satera. And this, therefore, is the essence of Svira Saimer, education. And this, in hand, attaches the commandment in our Pasha with the days of Svira Saimer. This stress, this point in this command is not an education on a basis a basic education but rather something that's self-understood and we see this yet in the time of Avram Avinu the Marashi Yitzav is born of where Avram Avinu says for I know that I need to command Command the children and the children of the household thereafter. At that time already, Avram Avinu was already praising God on the concept that he set up roots for his children and his grand and his household and all his generations thereafter. And therefore, it's clear from itself. And here it speaks about Chinuch Shneimus. The ultimate way of Chinuch, which is the Fnim Mishur Sadin, even greater than just the, la- the law, letter of the law. I'd like to also give a shout out to the Moshe Sani, Shkech, for what you sent for this year. Just to make sure he's listening to the whole year, because he might be listening only to the beginning to wait for that shout out. So I'll do it right in the middle, smack in the middle. And if he complains later he didn't get it, I know it's right in the middle. Anyway, the hint to this, of course, is to say the Chazal tell us, as we said, to warn, also is enlighten. The elders are called 
and to bring them that they should be enlightened. This is Sfiras Ha'imer. The Sfiras, the word Sefira comes from the word Sapir, Evan Sapir, a shiny, shiny stone. And the days of Sfira also raise us up to a level, to a darga that is higher in Shlemus and Eir. And therefore it is very important for every person, men, women and children even, to count the Eimer each and every day. Unfortunately those that tend to forget, sometimes they miss out on the bracha, and they have to count the rest of the days of the bracha, Chazashon. Just listen to the bracha from somebody else. But the main point is that one should count every single day. Because we are doing not only a countdown to Matan but we are also enlightening ourselves. We are bringing in this Sapir, the Evan Sapir of Sefira. And this ultimately is tied in directly with the Kahanim. For we know the Kahanim were the ones that were closest to God. They used to bring the sacrifices. And they raised up the nation to a higher level in Kedusha than ever. And therefore it was said to the Kahanim, Emer Marta, that their Kitanim should enlighten and should shine upon with the air of Kedusha, the light of Kedusha. This is what the Torah teaches us. The tafkir of the Gedalim, the mission of the Gedalim, is not only to give a basic chinuch, but to raise up the Ketanim. Psych, small little children, psych Ketanim in knowledge. And to bring them up to the fullest level, so much so that they should themselves raise up and become shining illuminary lights. And this is the proper preparation as well for the coming of Mashiach, which through him the ultimate world, the world ultimately will be totally lit up. And we will merit, as it says in the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Hashem Kamayim Layom Mechasim. The entire world will be fulfilled with the knowledge of God and the world would be covered as if with water. And one of the mitzvahs that it says in this week's parasha, V'nikdashti b'seich b'nei Yisrael and sanctify me amongst the b'nei Yisrael. Sanctify. Make yourself holy. Now we had last week, Kedosh Memer Ki Kodeshani. I'm sorry. But here again, when you should sanctify myself, I should be sanctified amongst the entire world. Tells us, the sages, Chazal tell us, this is the obligation of Mesidas Nefesh. Abnegation. In certain situations, we must sacrifice our lives in order not to disobey God's command. And we spoke about it, I believe, two weeks ago, with the Friedrich Rebbe, 
where he spoke about the Ish Iti Hamid Bara. When a Jew can exhibit his commitment can exhibit his commitment to God to the point that he's willing to surrender his essence and his entire life for God. This way, God becomes revered and sanctified. We would see this in a relationship between person, people, friends, or David and Yenison. The love, the unconditional love between them, how they were willing to die for one another. This shows the true essence of a person. We know in the Pasuk in Tehillim, we say every day in Davening, Magid Dvarav Liyakiv Chukov Mishpatov Yisrael. He says, his Dvarim, his Chukim, his Mishpatim, Tiyakiv, his rules and his ordinances, he says to Yisrael. From this, the Medish translates, understands, that everything that our God commands us to do, He Himself does. And we say, the Mitzvah Maimah as well, the Mitzvah Bacha says this, and He says, Mashu hu eimah Yisrael l'asei suweisa. Yesh mishu mitzavah l'achirim l'asei suweisa. Now those that command people to do certain things, but they themselves don't do them. But the Almighty, what He Himself does, He tells the Jews to do. Or vice versa. What He tells the Jews to do, He does as well. This is a very, very big, tall order. When we have a connection with somebody, a bond with somebody, and we request or require something from the person, we ourselves need to ultimately be a living example of this. And this we learn from God, as He does the same. So where do we see ultimately God actually does this sacrifice, this ultimate sacrifice? As we said before, we are learning now in the time of Svira, because there are 49 days of Svira, and there are 49 blot in Sekhtar Seita, so we learn Daflayim, we learn every day, a daf of Seita for in, during Sfira. And we put into the Shir as well, something in, in Seita. This is a side thing that happens to fall in about Seita. What is a Seita? The saint would probably be translated as a wayward woman. Wayward. A married woman who wants a woman who's married is an ashes ish. She may only be with her husband. But yet 
she found herself with another man. And her husband found out about this and warned her, you better not be seen with this man again. Tells us the Gemara, tells the Teda. The woman ultimately does not comply. And witnesses come and testify that this woman was together with this man for X amount of time. So the Taylor says, there's a process. The woman and the husband go up to Yerushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdash. And a curve mincha has to be brought. And the Gemara tells us the whole process, what we do to the woman herself. And then there is a drink that is prepared. A drink that is prepared that is the t- waters of testing or waters of bitterness. The woman then in turn is asked to drink this w- drink. She ultimately is in denial, obviously. She's standing and saying, no, I never did it. This water will test her. Tells us the Yamara that she will drink this water. If indeed she's guilty, she will nary finish this glass of water and she will start to, her eyes will protrude, her face will blow up. Yamara tells us it's horrific. They immediately remove her from the courtyard because according to one opinion, the woman literally explodes. So if any Arab nations think that they originated this, nah. <laughs> Terry's got one up on you. Nah, However, what if she's telling the truth? If she's telling the truth, says the Yamada, she will soon after become pregnant. If she only had girls until then, she will have a boy. If she only had dark-skinned children, she will have light-skinned children. If she had it will enhance, it will be an enhanced child, special child to be born from this. However, the drink that she has to drink is compiled also of a scroll that is written out especially for this with God's name on it several times and we erase the letters that are written and it's put into this mixture of water which ultimately means that we literally erase God's name so we see that God in order to make peace at home literally allows his name to be wiped out scratched out so that hopefully she'd be considered innocent to return to her husband. So we see that God also sacrifices himself as if it's a fulfillment of the mitzvah of an ikdashti b'seich b'nei Yisrael. If we keep his score at home, the Gemara in Shabbos, Kuftes Zayin Amr Aleph, 116, side A, it says that God declares my name, Shmi, 
it was written in sanctity, it was blotted out in water in order to make peace between man and his wife. So it's a wonderful thing how God commands and God does what He commands. And I had a question today. I believe the question has a lot to do with morality, but more so very much fits into the theme of tonight. Remember the theme of tonight, Emma Marta the concept of Chinuch, education. My question was, if a woman, Chas V'Shalom, sinned, God forbid she actually sinned, she drank the water, she exploded, she died. Now the Mishnah tells us, if she has any merits, she won't explode right away. Three months, twelve months, the machlekes. But if she is indeed innocent, she also doesn't blow up. So when the woman doesn't blow up, nobody says, "Oh, Baruch Hashem, she's innocent," because someone might say, eh, "Maybe she has some merit of some sort, and therefore doesn't blow up right away." Let's wait a little while. Let's not be judgy, judgy here. My question, you husband suspected her, your wife, of doing this horrific, horrific sin. And you didn't keep it at home. It wasn't behind the bedroom door that you had this screaming, rip-snorting fight. You took it to Bezden. Then marched her up with witnesses up to Yerushalayim. Then the entire process took place in front of who knows how many people preparing the woman to drink and it's not a pleasant one. And then she had to drink this bitter drink. If she's innocent what makes her go back to her husband? Why would she not turn around and tell her husband You see, I told you I was innocent and you accused me and you embarrassed and humiliated me this way. I'm not going near you ever again. But, my friends, we told you that the result, end result is she's blessed with beautiful, beautiful, special children. For this, says the Yiddish Mame, Sigeven Alzvert. The Yiddish Mame says it was worth it all. A Yiddish Mame will do anything to be able to bring up, to raise, and to be the proud mother of a beautiful boy or girl doing and acting and behaving the way they should. This is the greatness of the Yiddish Mame. And that famous disgusting story that I tell.
of the son that had to kill his mother and had to bring back her heart in a box. And he's walking in the forest and he trips. And the, far, the, the heart falls out of the box. And he hears his mother, and he banged his head in the tree. And he hears his mother's voice, Did you hurt yourself, my son? So although he just killed her and cut her heart out, she's still concerned, Did you hurt yourself, my child? The Yiddish mama would do anything for her children. So although, as we said, she suffered and went through this belittling, this humiliation, this hurt, this public don't know what. But because at the end her innocence is proven and because the end product is a beautiful child or children thereafter, she says, it was worth it for me. Will she deep down in her heart be able to actually forgive her husband? Mia who knows? We don't know what's in the heart of a person. We imagine yes, because she's meriting to have such a special child, there must be something special about her as well. So this concept of Mesidus Nefesh, to be willing to sacrifice our own life for our faith, as we know there are three Avedis, Gilarayas, Shvichas Damim, Avedizara, that one may not commit idolatry, adultery, or murder. And if one is put against this, one needs to die rather than do it. So when a Jew demonstrates his willingness to sacrifice his very life so that he doesn't abandon his faith, this dedication and devotion, as we said, is what sanctifies God's name. Rashi at this point brings up, mentions something very interesting. Something based on the Medrash. A person who surrenders his life on Kiddush Hashem must do so with complete willingness to die. Because if a person surrenders himself to die, hoping, hope against hope, miracle against miracle, that it won't happen, and something will happen to save him, This shows that this person didn't really want to die in God's name. The fellow falls off the cliff. He's holding on to the branch. He's looking down at 10,000 feet and he screams, God Almighty, help me! God, save me! Let the whole world see how you saved me from this terrible death! And he hears a heavenly voice. Do you believe in me? He says, I believe in you. Do you have complete faith in me? He says, I have complete faith in you. Will you die for me? He says, I die for you. So leave go of the branch. He freezes. And he looks back up to heaven and says, Anybody else up there can help me? <laughs> There's a little lack over here in the actual belief of martyrdom. Now this is because Rashi, in Rashi's view, 
Although the Jew is a great level, a high level, ready to sacrifice himself, to sanctify God's name, when a Jew dies a martyr, it's not God's greatest publicity. The opposite. When a Jew is harmed because of his religious beliefs, people start to ask, What's this? And Dabar Melech says, Why should the nation say, Where's their God? So the greatest possible glorification of God's name in the world is when God ultimately miraculously saves the Jews who are ready to die for Him. So willingness to die for God is something that's beyond the human capacity. Nevertheless, the fact that the human being comes forth and a person surrenders himself to die, but he's hoping for a miracle, a miracle is not performed. For this, Rashi cautions when you surrender your life to sanctify God's name, you must be completely ready to die. Don't interfere with this. Don't say, God, please try to save me. Six million. Six million Kiddushim who were taken to concentration camps or slept out of yeshivas, out of shuls, or randomly shot in the streets because they were hidden and didn't hide it, didn't disguise it. They let their beards and payers grow. They wore the yarmulkes and sits proudly were killed solely because they were Jews. Six million Kedoshim. When they marched to the concentration camp, they were broken vessels, skeletons walking, nary some skin on their bones. But there was a tune on their lips, on their tongue, as they marched to the Akeda, they marched to their deaths. They sang, Animamin. They sang, I believe, Animamin Bemunashlema Bevias HaMashiach. I believe completely the coming of Mashiach. They didn't say it because they said, I believe it's going to happen right now and I'll be saved. They knew where they were headed. And they were prepared to go there. Al-Kiddush Hashem, and therefore they are till today considered Kiddushim. And it does not matter where they came from. It does not matter what their background was. They died because they were a Yid, whether they were religious, they were not religious, whether they were doing the right, the wrong, whatever they were doing, they were killed because they were Yidin, they were Kiddushim. And this Kiddusha that these Kiddushim have, is something that's indescribable. And this is Vinigdashti. This is where God says, Make me holy. But yet, 
for every one of those Kedoshim, how many people are walking around asking, why? Why did God do that? And when the fellow came into the Rebbe and Yechidus, and he asked the Rebbe, what was that? And the Rebbe said, I will give you a mushal, a parable. There was a man who was left as an infant on an island. And he learned to fend for himself. He learned to fend for himself. He made his own language. He made his own action. He did everything. His own. He led his own life. Whoops. No, the man gets nothing. Um, he did everything. And what happened? Nebuch. He learned how to use a sharp item to cut an animal, to kill an animal. He learned how to cook, he learned how to make fire. Whatever it was in, within him that taught him to do this. One day, a ship happened by this island. And this fellow, much to his chagrin, was saved. He was quite happy. He wasn't vaccinated. And he didn't get the measles. He had no one to give it to and he had no one to give it to him. He was healthy, he was happy, he was living a life. But yet, they saved him from the island. And they took him on their boat and they brought him to mankind. They brought him to society. And there by society... He walked into a hospital. And he happened, he was in the hospital actually. They were treating him to make sure he was okay. And he began to walk around in the hospital. And he happened across the observation tower, observation deck of the OR. This OR was, had a lot of students in the hospital. And they had a big window up on top so they can observe the operation. And he sees on the table a man with no clothes on and a bunch of funny people with a lot of funny clothes on with masks and gloves. And he sees the doctor reach and take a scalpel, a very sharp and shiny scalpel. And he's taking it to the patient's abdomen he immediately starts to scream and to yell and to bang on the window stop him, stop him he doesn't have a language to say it in though because to him a sharp item like that coming to a person's stomach or chest cavity you're going to kill them 
and he's screaming, help, save this man. And everybody comes running. And they tell him, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he's pointing down, look what's going to happen to this person. They said, silly man. Yes, he's cut, they're cutting him open. And yes, they'll remove a part of his body. But that removal of that part of the body, we don't understand how it works, makes the person stronger. Brings him back different level of health. We don't understand any better than that man did how the surgery ultimately works, says the Rebbe. It was a surgery, and we are like that man from the island, oblivious to what the ramifications of that surgery are. But what we do know is that if the person operating, the doctor operating, which is Akadosh Baruch Hu, he knows very well what he's doing. And although there's good parts that were cut out, six million good parts, but Akadosh Baruch Hu has the understanding of the reason. And this brings us to the Perik Shlishi, Mishnah Tezvov, the 15th Mishnah of Perik Shlishi and Pirkei Oves. Rabbi Akiva says, a continuation of quotes from Rabbi Akiva. He started in Mishnah 13, and in 15 he says, Akil Tzofui. Everything is foreseen. V'arashus Nesuna, yet freedom of choice is granted. Nobody forces you to do anything. You do what you want to do, how you want to. The world is judged with goodness. And everything is according to the preponderance of deeds. And the Bashem HaKadosh says, Everything, HaKel, not HaKel B'Bnei Adam, not everything by a person, but everything is foreseen. This means that everything, even the most inanimate matter, plants, animals, everything comes about with divine knowledge. Everything, the most insignificant aspects of creation, a leaf fluttering down from a tree, blown by the wind, we don't know that it comes to land on the worm to save it and help it go back, grow, grow, uh, dig back into the, under the ground. But everything is God's providence. And again, we could also interpret the context of the Mishnah. We say everything, Hakel, the Mishnah teaches us that all of a person's potentials all the challenges that a person can encounter are foreseen. God knows His creations does not confront them with unfair demands. Every person is granted a mission which he has potential to fulfill. And this is what we spoke about before, how every mitzvah that we are given, God gives us a special strength to do it. But yet freedom of choice is granted. Every person has potential to fulfill his personal destiny. But the choice to fulfill it is his own. No one stands in his way. No one compels him. No one, as we said, forces him. Why Rabbi Akiva? Because Rabbi Akiva, as we said, 
was from generations of converts. A convert does not say Gaishin is Gaia, it says Gaishin is Gaia. A convert that converted. Why a convert that converted? Because nobody forced him to do so. But ultimately the Torah says, I know he will convert. And we too will ultimately merit to the Geula Mitz Vashlema in our whatever conditions we are in today. We will see it very, very soon, very speedily. This Shabbos, and we will see Bahar Sinai Lemur Shabbat Shalom to all.